Hello, and welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Thank you for joining us to worship and learn more about God as we all pursue Him together as a community. For more podcasts and services about past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendecatur.org. Or come connect with us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. Now, enjoy the message. Hey guys, my name's Ryan. I serve on the prayer team here at Renaissance, and I got the privilege of reading this scripture for us today. Uh, man, I'm always winded when I get up here, every time, <laughs> literally every time. Okay, uh, but before I do that, Jeff asked me to just give a little snippet, I guess, of what I felt like God was saying. And I feel like some of you guys, and this is for myself included, I think some of us are just really afraid right now. I think a lot of people are in, are in times of transition and not like I got a new pair of shoes transition, like big, big life changes, big transitions, maybe children or I know some people have put their families in nursing homes and like things like this where like life is just shifting for you. And I want to remind us that sometimes there's many ways we can uh, cope with that fear, I guess. If that's the right word, probably not. Maybe like get the fear out of there, right? <laughs> is what we want. But really that God's word is one of the primary ways that you can do that. And I think what keeps some of us away from that is we feel like we can't understand it. Like I don't want to read the Bible because I don't understand it. The words don't jump off the page to me. I don't close it and just feel way better. You know, these kind of things that we want when we read the Bible. And I just want to encourage you guys to ask the Lord for help with that. Um, it, it's meant to be understood. It's meant to give you the encouragement that you need, but sometimes we just need to ask God to help us to understand it, to pray for that, you know, Holy Spirit moment, I guess, if you would, that we could actually understand it. I know that's what happened for me years ago. It wasn't like I just read the Bible and just knew all these things. You know, I just my dad read it for years, and I knew that it was important, but I did not care about reading it. And so I just prayed that God would help me understand it, and he, and he did. So I just believe for some of you that fear maybe that you're facing with some major transitions in your life, God really wants you to go to the Word and, and to actually believe that he'll give you the ability to understand it and get you through that season. So now I'm going to read our passage for today. So today we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. So here we go. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has the ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, 
Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. But as for uh, that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. All right, we're going to begin our Bible study for today. Thank you, Ryan. Well, good morning, everyone. If we haven't met before, my name is Chris, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at Renaissance. So a little over a year ago, my wife, uh, my wife Tori and I, we were on our way back to Decatur, and we were driving through Nashville, Tennessee. And so after a long day's drive, we were planning on stopping in Nashville so we could uh, finish our trip up the next day, stop somewhere nice for dinner, and just be able to have a good night's sleep. And so 20 minutes outside of Nashville, we encountered everyone's favorite thing when they are driving, a nice little traffic delay. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, that's really not that big of a deal because it happens. Well, when you've been driving for more than five hours, any kind of traffic delay ends up getting you in a place where you're like, I'm super frustrated. I just want to be done with this. And so that five-minute delay shortly became 15, 15 became 25. And so I grabbed my phone, we're sitting in traffic, I'm like, heck with this, I need to find a different way to our destination. Meanwhile, Tori's sitting in the passenger seat, and I'm pretty sure she looked up from her book and was like, good luck with that. Probably because she knew that the map was already telling us, you're already on the fastest route. But I was determined, like most men are, to find it a different way. All the ladies are like, yeah, right. So my phone, it froze. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Every single thing that could go wrong on this road trip is happening. I've been driving for this long. I just want to stop. I just want to eat food, and I want to sleep. And so I open my Maps app yet again, type in the destination, only to find out that we were already on the fastest route. And I felt like it was in that moment where God was trying to teach me a lesson. And as I would reflect on that moment, I see how sometimes we get frustrated because of our circumstances. We get frustrated and we attempt to assume control, trying to deviate from the path that we're supposed to be on because we just don't like the potential difficulties that are going to pop up. We'll do whatever it takes to pivot to avoid those things. And for me in that moment, I was... I was trying to reroute my path when God was trying to root in me what it means to be patient. Now, this story is just a simple little parable like what Ryan just read. A parable is a story with a lesson. That word parable, it means something is thrown alongside. And so parables or stories with a lesson would be used to make a comparison and placed alongside what is common to help people understand Parables, they always have some kind of lesson embedded within them. And so you can find parables all throughout the Bible. Even today, you have heard fairy tales that, have, that are like parables. They use what is common to communicate unfamiliar things, like Little Red Riding Hood that tells us, be careful who you trust, or maybe Hansel and Gretel that remind us, be careful who you follow. Jesus had this way of telling creative stories, parables. 
He would do this to help people develop a better understanding of the bigger picture, which is life with him. One third of what Jesus said in the Bible is in parables. And so Jesus, he would use these parables because it was the best way to communicate deep spiritual truths. He embraced the art of storytelling. And so before we begin our Bible study, I just want to take a moment to pray for us. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you speak to us this morning as we study uh, your words that have been written. I pray that over these next few moments that we have together, we will be attentive and receptive to how you are guiding us this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all you've done and all you do. It's in your name that we pray. Everyone said, amen. So we begin our Bible study in verse four, where it says, when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him and he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. So before we get too far into our passage, there's three main characters or three illustrations that are going to be referenced throughout our time today. And not all of them are people. So we have the sower, another word from a farmer. This is a person who is representing someone sharing a message. The second illustration we have is the seed, which represents um, the word of God. And the soil, it represents different kinds of people. And so in verse four, we see when a great crowd was gathering, crowds would flock to where Jesus was. He would tell these creative stories, knowing that there would be some people who would hear the words he's saying, that would have a teachable spirit, that would have the willingness to be able to understand everything that he is saying. Meanwhile, other people would only hear a nicely illustrated story. And there were some people in these settings known as the religious leaders who would twist what Jesus was teaching into nonsense because Jesus's teachings would challenge their religious order and they felt threatened because of his growing popularity. And so our story, it begins with the crowd gathering and Jesus is describing what would be a familiar scene to his listeners. A sower is scattering seed across the field in preparation for planting. They prepared the field by plowing before the rainy season. They would turn over the soil, breaking up all the dirt clods. Their farming method is nothing compared to what we have today where we're using uh, all kinds of different machinery and combines. For farmers then to scatter seed, they would have something like a duffel bag that was filled with the seed and they would take a handful of the seed that was in their duffel bag and they would toss it across the field. They would be walking all across the field, scattering the seed. What I found to be the most interesting part, I think, of the farming process was that after they got done scattering the seed, they would walk back over the land that they had just scattered the seed across, or they would use Uber Donkey. Good, you laughed. These are the jokes, people. <laughs> so to smooth over the soil by hand, that's what they did. They would take a, a, a branch from a bush and, and just drag it along, or they would use their hand to just make the soil nice and smooth. But farming the land of Israel, it would require a particular type of person to do the work. They had to be patient. They had to be able to persevere because this work that they're doing is hard and difficult. And so in this parable, we see Jesus using the first three soils as a metaphor describing people who hear the word of God, but they do not allow it. 
they don't allow the word of God to actually change their lives. So we look at the first soil in verse five. It said that some of the seed fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. So the seed, it fell on the path because the soil is too hard. The soil is too compacted to actually allow that seed to take root in the soil, which results in the birds eating the seed. This path, it represents people who are deceived by the devil and they're unable to hear the word of God. They're unable to understand the word of God. And Jesus, he goes on in verse 12 to explain to the disciples, the devil, he's, the devil comes. He's gonna do whatever it takes to take the word away from their hearts so that they will not be saved. So that they won't believe The devil is going to do whatever it takes to attack the human heart. He's gonna do whatever it takes to deceive you. Whatever it takes to prevent you from drawing close to Jesus. And we can look back in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis three, where we see God had created man. And he told, he told Adam, you're going to work this land. You're going to keep this land. And then God created a woman we know as Eve to be a helper for man. And then we have this shifty little character called a serpent who is known as the devil described as crafty. And so he deceived Eve into eating from the forbidden tree of knowledge of good and evil. Paul, no, Peter in the New Testament, he talks about how the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And one of the ways that the devil devours is through deception. Some of the commentators, they say that the beaten or trampled path represents the hard, obstinate religious leaders who are very arrogant, who are very judgmental. And so the devil uses their pride. He uses their arrogance to deceive people, preventing them and others from being able to see the truth that's right in front of them. Jesus goes on to describe the next soil in verse six. He said that some of the seed fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. So we see the seed again is released by the sower and grows, but then it soon withers and dies. The rock, it prevents the seed from receiving the proper nutrients that's, that's needed for it to grow. And he tells the disciples in verse 13, describing the rocky ground, it's those who hear the word. It's those who receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in times of testing, they fall away. And so the seed is disconnected from the proper nutrients that contribute to its growth. This rocky ground, it represents people that become disconnected and fall away. Although these people once were excited about the word of God initially, they check out, they check out when their faith is shaken. And so when trials come, their faith withers away because it's not rooted in Jesus. What causes people to fall away though? What causes people to fall away from being in relationship with him? The answer is simple, they don't trust him. But here's what we can do as followers of Jesus when we know other people aren't trusting him. We can walk alongside them. We can walk with people to help them learn how to trust Jesus. 
Because when there's this inability to trust, the foundation of one's life crumbles. So from the point where Jesus gave his disciples the invitation to follow him to where they are now, he's walking alongside them. He's doing life with them. And so the disciples, they learned what it meant to trust Jesus because they spent time with him. Yet for us, that's a challenge because walking alongside people is is difficult because people are difficult, right? But that's why it's important for us. It's important for us to be in community with others, to grow alongside them, to develop a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. See, the church, it's meant to be a community where people are supported, where they're encouraged, where they're disciplined. And I know some of you are kind of like, wait, what? He said disciplined? When we hear that word discipline, we automatically assume the worst, like we're back in third grade. Uh-oh, someone got in trouble. They're going to the principal's office. No, that's not, that's not what's happening. When we look at supporting, when we look at encouraging, when we look at disciplining others within the church, it's not done out of spite. It's not done maliciously. Those things are being done for the betterment of people so that we can become better examples of Jesus to our families and to our community. In verse seven, he goes on and says, some fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. So the seed is eventually choked out by the thorns. What minimal growth had taken place is no longer because it had been overtaken by the thorns. And Jesus tells the disciples in verse 14 that the thorns are those who hear. They hear the word, but as they go on their way, it's choked. They are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Maturity is choked out. Worries, cares of the world, riches, those are thorns that prevent us from growing. When, when, the, when the growth of a seed takes place or the spiritual growth of someone is happening, it takes time. And time, that's difficult for us. In 1901, there was a doctor by the name of John Harvey Gerdner who created this term known as New York-itis. And so New York-itis, it describes an illness that had symptoms that include edginess, that include quick movements, that include impulsiveness among many others. But this disease, it started in Manhattan to describe people who were out of rhythm easily. That can describe people in Jesus's time and just in our time today. Our society, we're driven by this wonderful thing called instant gratification. We want, we want to be rewarded immediately. And so when we see results within our timing, within our preferred timing, we love it because it fulfills our need to be in control. And life is a lot easier when we get what we want. Need I say more than Amazon Prime or mobile orders at Starbucks, guilty. Okay, I guess I'm the only one. I'm not saying those things are bad by no means, but we have, allowedly, we have slowly allowed those things to condition us so that the influences, so that the morals, so that the messages of culture have begun to seep into the church. And so our infatuation with worry, our infatuation with um, cares of the world and riches, it's caused a split within the church where we can't see what God is trying to do 
because our loyalty is now divided. What a divided loyalty looks like then and now is people are too busy with the cares of this world. We're too busy to actually allow the word of God to take residence in our heart. Just because someone is listening to what is being said does not mean they're actually maturing. They're unable to accept Jesus's message because their loyalty is somewhere other than Jesus. Whether it's worry that consumes their life, whether it's riches, pleasures, pleasures of this world, whatever. If we don't see results in an instant, we get to a place where we're irritable, where we're impatient. So our inability has prevented us from being able to actually walk alongside people. Our impatience, our irritability has caused us to dismiss the very people that Jesus is telling the disciples, that he's telling us that we need to be sharing the message with. So if we allow ourselves to be deceived, if we allow ourselves to be divided or detached from others, we become desensitized from embracing the goodness of God. What we allow to drive our lives is going to determine what we live like. We see Jesus describing this last soil in verse eight. He said that some seed fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus here is explaining the purpose of parables. He's explaining the significance of the good soil. In verse 15, he tells us that as for the good soil, they are those hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This good soil, it represents people who are committed to following God allowing the word of God to transform their lives and change them. The good soil is cultivated by the Holy Spirit who does the work within us. Real quick, I wanna look at a phrase in verse eight. It said, he, Jesus, called out. So just like a teacher who's trying to get their class to listen, He's doing it for a reason because at the end of Jesus's earthly ministry, he's going to give his disciples the charge to go and make disciples. He's, he's stressing an importance here of this parable because it's going to lay a foundation for them on how they're going to interact with people that he is calling them to reach. These soils, they represent different types of people that they will go to share the word of God with. Broken, bruised, and busy people. Is scattering seed or sharing the message difficult? Yes. But we know this, that what is most worthwhile and most valuable never comes easy. At the beginning of this year, I was drawn to this particular passage and I felt like the Lord was impressing on me to keep this parable in mind, but I didn't know why. And as I started studying this passage a few weeks ago in preparation for today, I realized that I figured out the why. Because there's a big question I feel we need to answer today. And that question is, why do we need the heart of a sower? Because the heart of the sower, it's important for us to embrace because we can't be consumed with results. Our culture is very much driven by results. The heart of the sower is about faithfulness. It's about obedience. And so the sower, 
a farmer in general is scattering seed because they're expecting some kind of harvest to take place. Every single day we deal with similar issues like the path, like the rock, like the thorns that can easily prevent any of us from growing and changing. Deception, division, detachment, three issues that break the heart of Jesus. And when we allow issues to dictate our lives, the message of Jesus becomes distorted and it looks nothing like him. Many of you may have a story from your life where you have invested into the life of someone as you encouraged them, as you supported them, only to be disappointed by a failure only to be disappointed by some kind of mistake that has taken place. Early on in my years of leading a student ministry, several years ago, I would often get frustrated because I would spend so much time investing into the lives of teenagers, telling them about Jesus, and I wouldn't see growth. And I remember one day that I was looking at this passage, it dawned on me, the Lord's not calling us to change people. What he's calling us to do is to walk alongside people, have compassion on them like Jesus did. He's asking for us to be faithful. He's asking us to be obedient while we trust him with the outcome. Now we can look at a couple more real life examples. There might be a family member that is deceived by everything around them. And their focus is nowhere close to the one thing that is going to give them life, which is Jesus. There could be people who once were close to you, but now are not. And there's some kind of wedge that is driven between you. So instead of being united, we're divided by things like opinions. And dare I say one opinion, politics. People who once were gathering in community, whether it be church, whether it's family activities, whether it's school events, whatever. They're now detached from others because they got offended, because they got mad, because they got angered about some differing opinion that doesn't really matter. And the reasons can go on from there. We can't allow issues to dictate how we respond or how we live our lives because if we do, then the big picture has gone by the wayside. Our society is very much in a place now where everything has to be surface level. We don't actually allow things to take root. We're driven by issues. Deception and division being two of them. We wanna have a grasp on control because of our compulsion to have it your way like our life is Burger King I hear a couple laughs over there. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> that joke fell flat. <laughs> but as followers of Jesus, we should want everybody to hear about the truth and love of him, right? But our problem is that when we run into people who aren't always receptive, we stop trying to develop relationships with people. We begin to distance ourselves from those that Jesus is calling us to because of we get mad, we're impatient, we're not seeing what we think should be happening. When we mention the name of Jesus sometimes to people, people might not be receptive because of preconceived ideas, because of personal biases, or maybe even personal experiences that have caused them great distress that have forced them to disassociate themselves from Christians. 
But here's the thing. We should be looking for ways to walk with people, not walk away from them. And sometimes we can be clueless just like the disciples were. And we know that the disciples are clueless because of what Luke records Jesus saying in verse 10. He says, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom, but for others, they are in parables so that they seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And so here Jesus is reminding them of the obedience of a man named Isaiah, who was told by God to go and spread his word and warn the people of Judah, who we'll just sum it up like this. They were very sinful and rebellious towards God. And his message for Isaiah to give was, if they don't turn from their sin, they're going to lose everything. And so God sent Isaiah knowing that there were going to be some that weren't going to hear one word of what he was saying. So why would God send him somewhere knowing that there are, there are going to be people who aren't going to actually hear what he is saying? Because God's not looking for results. What he was looking for from Isaiah was his faithfulness and his obedience. Just as Jesus was looking for the disciples to be faithful and obedient in Matthew 28, where he gives them the, the charge of go and make disciples of all nations. And just as Jesus is, is calling us to, to be faithful, to be obedient in spreading the word of God, we're trusting him with the outcome. For us, we can easily skip ahead in, in our Bibles to see what happens next for the disciples. But this parable is foundational for them. They have no idea what's going to happen next yet they continue to walk with Jesus. Because in a few chapters, we're going to see a storm take place where the disciples, they flip out because they fear that this storm is going to capsize their boat, resulting in them drowning. Like the beaten path, that storm, it caused the disciples to be fearful. It caused them to be deceived by their fear. And we all know that fear can be a liar. And if it was up to the disciples, they could have allowed that fear to continue to deceive them. But with Jesus there in the boat with them, the disciples knew that they could look beyond their fear to see that Jesus was right there with them. And Jesus calmed that storm with a word. We're going to see how the disciples, they end up encountering a man who's demon possessed. He's screaming in pain but like the seed that can't break through the rocky ground. So, so the faith of the disciples in that moment is shallow and easily shaken because if it was up to them, their inability to cast out that demon could have resulted in them giving up. But with Jesus, we know that he has the power to cast out a demon with a word and we see a man's faith strengthened. There's another encounter, the last one that I'll share that they're going to embrace soon. Is that a crowd is welcoming Jesus and a, a leader in the synagogue named Jairus pleads for Jesus to come to his home because his daughter's dying. And as they go through the crowd, the crowd's pressing in, they're charging ahead and Jesus feels someone touch his garment. And that someone was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years but just like the thorns that we read in the parable, this situation with the crowd prevented the disciples from seeing who they were with, Jesus. Because if it was up to them, they probably would have just kept on going through the crowd. 
But with Jesus, they see him heal a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. They see him raise a girl who was dead and now has a new life, which shows the disciples that Jesus has power over life. He has power over death and he has the ability to heal any disease. And so within our parable today, we see three of these four soils that the farmer has scattered seed on. It resulted in a loss. Yet the good soil, it resulted in a significant gain. So our perspective, it matters. Because if we're basing things off the world's standards, we could easily say that this farmer in this story is unsuccessful in the work that he's doing because three of the four soils didn't produce anything. Our focus should be on scattering the seed, the word of God. But what do we do today that helps us to be like the sower? We have to have a heart like the sower. And how do we do that? We pray. Like the sower who would walk across the field with his plow to loosen the, loosen the soil and the seed taken from his duffel bag and tossed onto the soil. The sower would have had to prepare before he went out into the field. And so we pray in preparation for how we are going to share the message of God with people. We pray not to get something out of God, but to be connected to him. We're refocusing ourselves on him because if we don't pause, if we don't center ourselves on Jesus, we have the tendency of looking more like ourselves than we do like Jesus. And so prayer, what it does for us is it opens our minds, it opens our hearts to God's direction. And we're able to discern the steps that we need to take next. The second thing that we can do is we can trust God with the outcome. And that's hard because we're not in control then. One of the main com communicators in the Bible named Paul had written about divisions taking place within the church of Corinth. They were arguing over whose leadership they should follow. And Paul was saying to them, it's silly guys to be divided over things like that. Your focus needs to be on being servants of Christ because you are helping build the church. And so Paul, he goes on to share in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse six, using an agricultural metaphor to help them understand. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God gave the growth. Paul and Apollos, they were actively planting, they were actively watering seeds. They were sharing the message with others. And Paul had this opportunity to bring everyone together to remind them, it doesn't matter who plants, it doesn't matter who waters, it's God who grows. We have that privilege to partner with him in the work that he is doing. And we trust him that he is working through every situation. But the hard thing for us is we can easily lose sight of the big picture. Growing up, I would go to my grandparents' house after school and my grandfather, he enjoyed putting puzzles together. And it doesn't really surprise me that someone who was an architect, someone who was very much detail oriented would often look at the big picture when he was putting the puzzles together. When it came to, when it came to putting the puzzle together, he would always remind us, remember the big picture. He would often have us look at the, at the box that we had next to the puzzle just so we could remember the big picture 
of what that puzzle was supposed to look like at the very end. And as much as we want to play God, as much as we want to be in control, we can't. We can't fully control anything other than ourselves. We have to put our trust in God's bigger picture because we trust God because we know that he sent his son Jesus to come seek and save the lost. He invites us to help get them to be in a place where they're in relationship with him. We partner with him in that work as we generously, yes, generously share that message with others. The seed, the message of God is scattered by the farmer, the disciples and by us, because we know that when a seed grows, there is going to be a harvest. So we pray, we trust God, but we also have to be patient. Just like when I was learning my lesson, driving through the traffic in Nashville, trying to be patient, even when nothing else around me is making sense. Patience is important because there's a reason why farming requires a certain type of person to labor over a field because the growth process takes time. It's worth the wait. But unfortunately, within our digital age today, there's almost instant access to answers, almost instant access to other people. And we've conditioned ourselves to expect instant results. We've lost the value for the growth process that requires patience. In his book, Deeply Formed Life by Pastor Rich, Rich Velotis, he states, we won't take time to go down deep. We don't take time to go deep down within because we have often been discipled into superficiality, meaning our only concern is what is on the surface, presenting only an appearance without substance. It doesn't take much for any of us to be impatient. James wrote in the New Testament about patience. He said that just as a farmer waits, you also should be patient. He's saying, trust God, Quit being impatient. Trust God with the results. Sow the seed. He's saying, trust me. So we pray, we trust, we have patience and we persevere. Patience requires perseverance. Even today, the farmer's task is not simple. It's not quick at all, regardless the size of their field. We continue ahead despite the difficulties that we face because we are partners in spreading the message of Jesus. We are partners in spreading the message of Jesus. It's not just the pastor's job to point people to Jesus. Everyone is meant to do ministry, whether it's within the walls of a church or whatever your occupation is. Unfortunately, not everyone knows how to spell ministry. And so I'm going to spell it for you because I learned this one the hard way in the first 10 years of ministry. Are you ready for it? The way you spell it is M-E-S-S-Y. And why is it spelled that way? Because even though God created us in his image, even though he called us good, we have a sinful nature, okay? And we thank Jesus for what he did on the cross. 
But the truth of the matter is people are messy. Jesus loved messy people. He had compassion on them. He sat with them. He's constantly walking with people. He wanted people to be able to experience the Father's love. And when we don't walk with people, they don't get to experience that. Three of the four soils that Jesus is describing have negative outcomes. And while the the good soil is the only positive one, we have to learn how to shift our perspective and remember that it is God who grows the seed. Our responsibility is to scatter the seed. So the job of the sower, it requires patience. It requires perseverance. It requires trust. It It requires prayer. And if we want to share the message of Jesus with people, we have to be patient. And I know that can cause some tension. I know that can cause discomfort, but with tension, there is growth. And avoiding that tension, it can prevent us from allowing something to grow. That doesn't mean we give up. That doesn't mean we go away. Instead of being frustrated, you might look at how you can be faithful with what God has given you. We have to learn how to be rooted in Christ, we have to continue to persevere. I know I've talked a lot, I'm sorry. I know it it may feel like a fire hose at times, so forgive me. And so I'll close with this, okay? Now, I I know some of you, uh, when you hear someone say, I'm going to close our time together, I know that For some of us, it can be like, okay, those are magic words, so uh, I can get ready to go on with the rest of my Sunday. I can, like we're back in school, right? When the teacher says we're done, everybody starts like packing up, putting our coats on. Because we like going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next without stopping. Whether it's lunch or Sunday football. So hold off for only a couple more minutes and then I'll be done. So there's this game, guys, or anyone, you, you might know of this game, it's called fantasy football. I know some of the wives in the room are probably rolling their eyes and they're like, oh, we're, here we go. But I play this game called fantasy football where you draft players and you adjust your lineup every week in hopes of being able to say at the end of the season, you're the champion. There's a cardinal rule though, when it comes to fantasy football. And you're gonna learn something new today. Don't change your lineup on game day, okay? Because it might not have the favor uh, that you're looking for. Well, I did that very thing last night, not with fantasy football, but with this message because some of the next few things that I'm going to say, I didn't originally have planned until last night because I felt like the Lord was trying to say one more thing, Chris. So here's that one more thing. There are some people in this room who the Lord's been trying to get your attention for months, maybe weeks, maybe even years. And what he's trying to get you to do is stretching yourself outside of your comfort zone. He's calling you to do something, but you're hesitant to do it. See, the place where you might be right now, there are people who are actually relying on you to be faithful and obedient in scattering the seed. And so the Lord sees you and he wants you to know that you can trust him. You can. 
because several years ago when I've had those uncomfortable moments in life or in ministry, I began to ask myself the question of what might God be developing in me in this season? What's he trying to develop in you in this season? That's not the simplest answer because it's probably not going to be our preferred answer. But I feel that the Lord is teaching us that we have to start scattering seed. That we start trusting him because he's the one who's going to grow the seed in his timing. I like the way that Pastor Tim Lucas says this. He says that our job is to build a spiritual bridge to thirsty people in our community, those who may have given up on church, but haven't given up on God. But here's the thing, we can't build spiritual bridges to people if we're unwilling to scatter seeds into people's lives. So instead of spending too much time thinking that other people are going to do what is meant for us to do, that God is calling you and I to do, we're choosing not to miss those opportunities anymore. We take our place as the sower, the person who's going to scatter the message of God by praying. We ask God for clarity. We ask him for direction. We place our trust in him that he is going to be the one who's going to grow the seeds in the hearts and minds of people. That we begin to be patient like Jesus we, where we're walking alongside people. And sometimes that means it's gonna get messy, but we persevere and we keep sharing the message because that's what we've been called to do. For the seed to grow, the sower had to release it. For the seed to grow, the sower has to let it remain in the soil. So what would it look like if instead of giving up on people, we prayed for them? What if we gave hope to people by pointing them to Jesus? What if we embraced the heart of the sower and we trusted God with the outcome and we just focused on sharing his message? What if we were patient? What if we persevered in the work that he's called us to do? What happens is people will see how valuable that message you have is. They'll see how valuable the message of Jesus is because they see your trust in God. Let's pray. Lord, help us to trust you. We know that in, in all things, it can be difficult sometimes, especially when the difficulties of life pop up. But I pray that you help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, that we trust you, that we're patient, that we persevere because we know that you are doing a work in our hearts and within our minds. So Lord, I thank you for the work that you are doing here at Renaissance. We praise you even in the middle of trials. We praise you in the middle of our triumphs. So Lord, we just ask you to use us as we go from this place this week to share your love, to share your hope with others. We love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen.
Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to support you and have you be a part of our community. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. There you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, and even contribute to the growth of the church through online giving. Or you can come see us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. We can't wait to see you.